Hi, this is Andy Katz, host of March Madness 365, presented by Grammarly. This week on the podcast, listen as we break down the latest AP poll and give you insights on my updated Power 36. Listen to March Madness 365 with Andy Katz, presented by Grammarly, wherever you get your podcasts. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that gives your team an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. Grammarly works seamlessly across 500,000 apps and websites. Get personalized on-brand writing help everywhere your team works. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Yes, yes, yes. Season five continuing oh, here on yeah. the steam room. Oh, I'm like, pumped it is for season the five, right? Didn't it? Yeah, uh, it is season five. Well, it's, wow, I, I am it's pumped for the show today. I am too. Yes, and, and we always are. Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson. And you know what's what's really cool about this episode of the steam room? It's on TV. Oh yeah, it's so on this... TV. It's on True TV. Well, True TV. True TV. Yeah, showing the steam room. Well, and and that is the plan. Uh, going forward, going forward. So, I, I think tentatively, like a seven o'clock on Friday nights. See, you have a perfect face for radio. Oh, that's I mean, hilarious! You don't. Man, is that a I new line? What, I don't even that's know what should, should be putting your face. That is up. hilarious. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, hey, welcome through TV. Yeah, um, you don't know what you're in for, but uh, all you loyal steamers. Who uh, who tune in every week? We appreciate you. Yeah, and uh, this is gonna be a fun show. We're gonna have Bill Cower. Oh, can't wait! Joining us, can't wait. Lots of NFL uh, and coaching news to talk about, oh, and to man. talk about his career as Belichick, a Super Bowl champion. Coach Belichick getting yeah. a second interview with the Falcons. Wow, we might have Bill Belichick down here in this city. Wow, how about that? That would be amazing. I bet he'll. I you know, I, I bet. When they're looking at trying to get this deal done, there's probably some contract language like, "Look, if I take this." I need at least two appearances per season on the steam room. Done. But is probably some of the some of what he uh, See, you know, man, Coach Belichick are good friends. We, we oh, I know. I'm gonna make. He's definitely. So gonna, why hasn't he been on the steam room? Well, I, I if you if you guys are so tight. Well, I don't bother him during the season. I know. If you never asked. First of all, you never asked me to get him on the steam room. Oh yes, we have. Uh, ask Cap. Cap has Cap. has oh. has Chuckster. Chuckster yeah, has brought asked me up. To get, Yes, Thank you. Yeah, See, he's, he said, he's, he's said, got the receipts. <laughs> okay, hey, I, I'll get Coach Belichick on the steam. Room. Wouldn't that be great? It will be great. Yeah. So um, I mean, that's, now I can joke. Now I guess he could be on the steam room. Now he's got nothing to do. He doesn't have a job right now. Yeah, but but he might. <laughs> he might. He, he might. It would be awesome to have him here in Atlanta. Wouldn't that be something? Yes. Yeah. So uh, we start every episode of the steam room yeah. the same way. It's uh, with Chuck's favorite phrase, and that'd be first of all. Yeah, this is a tough one for me, man. Uh, I got a couple serious subjects I want to broach. Um, you know, in the NBA, we're a family. Yes. Everybody who played in the NBA, coached in the NBA, trainers, everybody, even the fans, they're important. Uh, but we lost a family member yesterday. I know I'm going to blow this. Dejan. Dejan, yeah. Dejan Milojevic. 46, Ernie, uh, assistant coach for the Warriors, had a heart attack. Man, it broke my heart to hear that uh, because, man, 46, 
He's got a wife and two young kids. And to lose a family member, it just, at that age, so young. And to see all the Serbian players who he coached, Joker, guys like that, uh, I I didn't know a lot about him. He was a three-time MVP of their league. Yep. Greg, Coached over there. Uh, and... Greg Popovich talked about what a great influence he was on uh, on. You know, Bogdanovich here with the Hawks talked about what a great influence he was. So, man, I just want to give my thoughts to to, to the Warriors and to his family. Yeah. Just brutal. And, yeah, and and what's and what's tough too, uh, Charles? The circumstances of it. Uh, they were having a private dinner. team dinner. Um. When he fell ill and then was taken to the hospital, and you knew and, it was bad, yeah, because I, I had to fly to New York yesterday to do the show with Gil, and they had already postponed the game, and I said, "Oh, this is bad," because the NBA never postpones games. I mean, we've had blizzards and everything happen, tornadoes, hurricanes. The NBA, it wasn't. I should say the same about all sports. Mm-hmm. They never want to po- postpone a game. But when I saw they postponed that game first thing, I said, oh, this is bad. Yeah. And then it came out like an hour later he had passed away. So, man, I, I was – They just, call him Decky, by the Decky? way. His his uh, nickname was Decky. I, I looked at a couple of old Steve Kerr clips yeah. talking about when he was hired and and uh, his reputation yeah. and and how much he meant to that organization. And even the younger players. You just know, meant how much he Pajemski, meant to this, You know, just the young players. Yes. You talk about what he does for – Big men, yeah. and he's a great big man coach. But Pajemski's this uh, little guard for Golden State who talked about the influence that he'd had in just this short time that he'd known him. So yeah, yeah, it's it's profound. And when it happens in that way, I mean, that's got to shake everybody up. And the last thing on your mind is let's play a basketball. Game. Yeah, but you, it, but it just goes to life. You know, he probably kissed his wife and said goodbye because they were on a road trip. They mm-hmm. played. They on a road trip. You say goodbye to your wife and kids, and then like five days later, it's over, man. That to me, that's probably the worst because you you always assume you're gonna go back and see your family and friends, and it's death. Just makes you want to, man. Tell your loved ones you love them and appreciate them and. You just never know. Yeah, we've and we've talked about it before, Chuckster, but it always bears repeating at a time yeah. like this that that um, you want to leave things, um, you want to leave things the right way between you and other folks. Yes, you know because you, you just you, never know. You don't know. Yeah, five minutes from now, what's yeah. going to happen? So that if you if you got beef with somebody, let settle it. Go. it. Yeah, let, let it, go. it go. Settle it. Make you know so. You know, no hard feelings. When yeah, you talk about this all the time, and it's, it's probably a lesson we all, like, there's people who have been a great influence in your life. You should just call them every now and then yeah, and say, hey, yeah. I just want you to know I appreciate you being in my life and what you helped me accomplish. Because nobody like us is successful without so many people. Chuckster, it was, and it's funny that you bring that up too, because I've I've spoken in the last couple of weeks to big groups. Um and that's always part of my presentation is is um, in these days where social media has made it possible for you to reconnect with people, all yeah. people you went to school with, that kind of thing. And I, I I stayed in touch with a with a guy named Roger Thompson who was one of my little league coaches. I spent I spent uh, time 
talking to him on the phone for years and you're for 50 years after, after he was my coach. And all I'm, and I tell people, look, if you're able to reconnect with a, um, a friend, a coach, a teacher, somebody of influence who you remember from, from who's allowed you to get to where you want to be today. Yeah. Reach out to Reach out to say thanks. That's all you got to do. Hey, thank you. I'm, I'm thinking about you. And you wouldn't believe what that does for somebody. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I went to Dr. Andrew's retirement party um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was working on what I was gonna say and things like that. Shout out to Dr. Andrews and his wife Janelle and everybody. About there was a few hundred people there. Oh, he's he has impacted uh, so impact. many careers and yes. But Joe Morgan, one of my mentors and friends, because you know. Mike Wilbon, Amar Rashad, Joe Morgan, guys like that have had a huge influence on my life. I always pick their brains about decisions when it comes to, to different things. And Joe Morgan told me one time he was going to meet Jackie Robinson for the first time. And he said, yeah, he called his dad. I said, Dad, I'm going to meet Jackie Robinson tomorrow. What should I say to him? He says, you just tell him thank you. Yep. He said, what? He says, just tell him thank you. And he said, when he tells that to Jackie Robinson, every time he saw Jackie after that, he says, I remember you telling me thank you. That meant a lot. So I used that in my speech for Dr. Andrews last, a couple of weeks ago. I said, Doc, I just want to say thank you. There's Very, a lot of power in those two words. It's a lot of power in just saying thank you. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that, man. So rest in peace, my man. And best to your wife and two young kids. That's mm. a tough one. 46. No doubt. Yeah. All right, I've got to address Nikki Haley again. <laughs> you know, I want to be serious and sarcastic at the same time. Because, I've, I've seen you do that before. Yeah, because words matter. Yes, they do. Words matter. And words I, matter, especially at a time when you are running uh, for the running president. For president. Yes. When you're running for president, because... I don't know her well. I actually had dinner with her one time when she was a governor of South Carolina. But what was the what was the uh, occasion? I was looking to buy this company. Uh, uh, I was looking uh, well, to. You, know, you don't have to get into all yeah, the details. I was if looking you can't to buy the company, okay. and uh, I I forget what her connection was, but she was involved with the company. And I was, she was the governor. Yes, when she, and I was trying to buy the company. But I was so disappointed in her last week when she said America's never been racist. And number one, for her being two things, a minority and a woman, those two things really disappointed me. Because racism has always been prevalent in this country. I mean, I says, and I'm not going to go crazy because I did that on the show last night. But words matter because slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, we got a lot of anti-Semitism going on right now. In the last couple of years, we had a lot of Asian hate going on. So to say America's never had an issue with race is just disingenuous, but it's just wrong. I just had to get that off my chest again to our podcast group because, man, any form of racism sexism like that, it's just wrong. And I challenge 
everybody out there listening to the podcast or watching us on Truth TV now. If you see somebody being rec- racist or sex- sexist, call them on it. Call them on it. And it doesn't have to be your race. It doesn't have to be your race. Call them on it. You know, I, I have this great relationship with the gay community uh, and the transgender community. And I'm always defending them because they deserve to be defended. I can't stand up for, for black people uh, uh, or, or Jewish people or Hispanic people or anybody if I don't stand up for every group. I'm against any form of discrimination. So I had to get that off my chest. What did you say on the on the show with Gail? You said you went off. I said, well, because I actually was thinking about voting for her until I heard her say that. And I says, well, she's, I was actually being sarcastic. I said, well, she she might have a point. If uh, there's America's never been racist, if you take away slavery, Jim Crow, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, segregation. It's been smooth sailing for black people for all these years. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I was just disappointed. If, yeah. you, if you're going to be the president of the United States, even running, she's been a governor. She's been a governor of a state. You can't make statements like that if you're the governor of any state or definitely if you're running for president of the United States. So I had to get it off my chest. And I, and, uh, but we want the podcast to be fun before we get to Coach Kyron, everybody. The last and the, the, the way to finish, I just want to give a shout-out to Sam Jackson and Spike Lee. I have a feeling there was some uh, recording of Capital One spots. Man. If you're thinking those I, two guys. We just did four 10-hour days. And it's a, it's a, I really enjoy working with Capital One. They've been fun. But working with Sam and Spike and Ellen who and all the people, we got Magic Johnson in these again. We got Any Jim Nance this time? Jim Nance again. Okay, good. And we got, you know, a few years ago we had the great Gladys Knight. We got the great Dionne Warwick in mm. these. But I just want to give a shout out to Capital One, but mainly Sam and Spike. Sam is a genius and an honor. It's an honor and a privilege for me to work with him. And obviously Spike is great. But Sam, man, the adjustments he makes on the set. I have worked with two people in my life who I thought were geniuses in the television form. Oh, no, stop. Come on, <laughs> What? Sam Jackson <laughs> and Joe Pitka. They're the two best I've ever worked with as far as, like, that won't work like that. Right. That won't work like that. You know, because a lot of times the people who write the spots, they think some is good, but it just doesn't work. But when I'm with Sam and, and, and Joe Pitka, they, to me, are the two geniuses that I work with who like, yeah, it doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't work like that. Let's tweak it. So I just want to give a shout out to Sam and Spike and Magic Johnson and obviously Dion Warwick and everybody who was involved in the commercial, man. So it was a long four days. It was cold as hell here in Atlanta. Woo. A lot of first take for you, right? It, uh, was, it was just like. Take one, boom, Chuck, nailed it, done. Oh, that's my nickname, Chuck One Take. Hmm. Yeah, One Take Chuck? One Take Chuck. I doubt that. Not <laughs> And knowing Spike, as yeah. I do, too, and and he's worked with us before on a couple oh. of campaigns, he's, oh, yeah. oh, he's yeah. going to make sure it's uh, the oh, way he wants well, it. I almost punched him in the face the first time we worked together. <laughs> you, know, he, you know, we were telling old stories. No, we were telling, it's so funny you said it, we were telling old stories, and 
Michael, so me and Michael had to do a commercial with Spike. So Michael went first, obviously, and I was going to come in a couple of days later and we were out. He said, man, this dude crazy. <laughs> he had me dunk a hundred times to get two dunks. And so in my shot, I had to dribble a basketball like in this little area right here. Yep. And I dribbled a basketball for like two hours <laughs> to show my shoe for like a split second. I said, you're right. He crazy. So he told me, he said, yeah, Michael told him, hey, you're going to get one dunk today. You better make it work. And Michael, because Spike, he's a perfectionist. But Michael says, hey, I'm not dunking 100 times again. You're going to get one dunk. You better make it work. It was hilarious when he was telling that story the yeah. other day. I bumped into bumped into Spike the other night at baggage claim when I was coming back from L.A. And, uh, of course, first thing out of his out of his mouth how about my Knicks? Yeah, we won five in a row. He's a he's he, he will always he's a through and through the uh, the orange and blue of the New York. Three Knicks. celebrity fans I'll always admire. Now Jack Nicholas on another level because the Lakers always Jack won. Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. I love that man. He he's a really just a good dude. But the two guys who I really admire are Billy Crystal and Spike Lee. Billy Crystal. When I played, was at every Clippers game, and they sucked. Yeah, they sucked. But he was there every single game. I admire that. And one thing about Spike, that dude is at every New York Knicks game, and they've had some highs, but it's been a lot of lows. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But you know what? You I admire people. Billy Crystal could have went across town to the Lakers. He never did. Spike Lee. Well, there's no other good teams in New York. <laughs> <laughs> but, and he is always so enthusiastic. Every year, we have to break the news to him. Not this year. I yep. like what the Knicks are doing. I love them going out getting OG. But for the last 40 years, every year he comes when he sees you, how about my Knicks? Well, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> but, man, you got to admire him sticking with his team. No doubt. Take a break here on the steam room. Right around the corner. Bill Cower oh, on yeah. the playoffs, on coaching, on everything. Next. Hi, this is Andy Katz, host of March Madness 365, presented by Grammarly. This week on the podcast, listen as we break down the latest AP poll and give you insights on my updated Power 36. Listen to March Madness 365 with Andy Katz, presented by Grammarly, wherever you get your podcasts. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that gives your team an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. Grammarly works seamlessly across 500,000 apps and websites. Get personalized on-brand writing help everywhere your team works. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. We welcome you back inside the steam room. This is awesome today. Yeah, it really is. Yes. It, it, you're always excited about the guests that I'm, we have. I'm really excited about this On one the today. podcast. I am. Especially when it's this time of the football season. Yes. Uh, you need great NFL voices uh, to come on and, and lend their expertise into what's uh, going on in the playoffs and and just to talk about the coaching profession because there's so much going Ooh, on. It's a lot going on right there now. right now. So uh, 
It is our pleasure to bring to the proceedings Bill Cower, uh, the longtime head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now oh, stealing an- money like the rest of us analyst on, on CBS. <laughs> uh, coach, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, we appreciate this. Hey, listen, I, and, and it's an honor to be in the standard with a couple dudes. Yeah, hey, exactly. Hey, that's, that's right. I think we only have one rule uh, in the steam room, and that is yes. keep your towel on. If at all possible. Okay. All right. So, Good. so Ernie, yes. you you know yes. how yeah you want to meet people yeah. So, I I, don't, I hadn't met Coach Kyle, but I was a huge fan, and I'm I'm in New York. What year is this? Uh, it's it's been a while now. Okay. It's probably it's been yeah. in the, it's been probably five to seven years somewhere in that range. All right. And I said, Jen, yeah. can I please meet Coach Kyle? You said this said Jen. Jen Sabatel. Sabatel, from, who's the from the yeah, PR like person from CBS, right? And she says, so "You got to fill in some of these blanks okay. for people." And she says, uh, <laughs> "I says, what if I set up dinner?" I said, "Oh, I would love that. We have dinner, and I'm kind of trying not to be a fanboy because you, you know we talk about this all the time about when you meet celebrities. When they're awesome, it's the greatest experience of your life. Yeah. When they're assholes, it's the worst experience of your life. And <laughs> I tell people, I said, "Man, this dude was so awesome." And coach, I want to say when I met you that first time at dinner, we sit there for a couple of hours just shooting the breeze. Thank you, yeah. and I consider you a friend. You are, Charles. You know, it's always cool sometimes. You know, you'll text me the course of our show, and hey, good point, coach. I like I like what you just made. I'm like, you know, I watch and I watch and I watch you guys, and I love your TNT with Kenny and Shaq, the dynamics that you guys have. Listen, this is our profession. I think the one thing about you, Charles, you're real. You're, you're you're a man's man, down to earth. You 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 humble, no humility, great humility, and if everything you do, uh, you know, uh, just you're you're the best. Honestly, and I really well, appreciate well, it. everything it, is good about you except your golf. Everything is good except your golf swing. Coach, I'm no, playing. I'm no, playing, his, I'm his playing good right now, Coach. I'm coming back better. strong. I'm yeah. coming back strong. Hey, do you right. remember that dinner yeah. that you had with Chuckster that first time? Yeah, it was in Del Frisco's. It was uh, on the second floor at Del Frisco's. We had it up there. And then when he comes into town now when he, for the NCAA tournament, we try to get together faces and names. Yep. Yeah. You know, try to have a little drink there and, uh, after he gets done with his broadcast. And so, um, yeah, it's, we, we, listen, I love hanging out with, uh, with Chuck. There were some great stories. Actually, he came out to Allen and Company and we sat there with, with Jerry Reisdorf and went over oh, all yeah. the stuff with Michael and talking oh, about yeah. that. Remember that night? Oh, yeah. I would never get Allen and Company. Sit, yeah, Will Wine sitting by the duck yeah. pond talking about stories about Michael and you and the Olympics. It was pretty cool. Yeah, do you recall uh, when you were having a, that initial dinner that that Chuck probably ordered his steak like extra, extra, extra well done and, and he cuts it all up before he eats it? Yeah, and, and you know what's Ernie? I'm the same way. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a medium well guy. Yeah, but you don't you know, cut, I mean, you don't the cut everything up before you eat it, do you? You cut it up as you go. Um I actually, I as you go, yeah, no, I, I don't yeah, do that. Thank He's, you very much. He takes much. it to another level. You, you, know, you have yeah, to cut it all up and let the steak sauce marinate. No, you, you know, you cut it all up and yeah. it gets cool and dry. You don't want to do that. If, well, first of all, I'm eating fast. And we've really, had, we've had say, chefs on here before who say who say that you're wrong. Well, they do that say that your wrong, approach to but, eating is wrong. But they say I'm wrong. They want me like I don't understand when I'm out with my friends when they they just kill the cow right there and stick the steak on your plate. How can you get stuff not cooked? That is disgusting to me. No, right. it's cooked a certain right. way. No, it's it barely cooked. I'm a medium guy. No, no, no. I got. Right. I, I've actually tried medium well plus, and it's not bad. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, now that we got all that wow. out of the way, Coach, 
how about these how about these NFL playoffs, man? And what are you looking forward to most this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think it uh I think you have it's interesting. I think you're down to the final eight, and I think you can make a case for every one of these teams, a compelling case where they could win, you know, their their their, their next three games. Everyone's three games away from a championship right now. And you know, obviously the teams, the San Francisco and Baltimore. They're rested, and I think it's really becomes a little bit of a battle of attrition this time of year. You know, I think so. The healthy has a big part of the outcome, but you know, you're looking at eight teams. Uh, seven of the eight teams have a number one pick, a first round pick quarterback. They all have quarterbacks. I think that's the one thing that's a common denominator. And the only other one that wasn't picked in the first round is Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy uh, with the <laughs> San Francisco 49ers. And so uh, you have all first rounders in the last pick in the draft, and. Every one of these quarterbacks, and you, you think about even last week, the six games last week, all the winning quarterbacks, no one threw an interception. So the quality of play in the playoffs, you prioritize certain things, and protecting the football is one. Um, you know, not beating yourself with penalties is a second thing. You know, and then also the you know the the, the, the situational football, third down, red zone, those types of things. So I love this time of year. It kind of separates people and. I've always said before, you know, the strengths get you into the playoffs and your weaknesses will ultimately is why you'll lead the playoffs. So as you go further and further, you're starting to get matched up with teams that are just as strong as you. Then the execution becomes a part of it. Your ability to mask your flaws, accentuate your strengths. Yeah, that's what the game of football is all about. So give me, if you had to pick one upset, just one upset this weekend, who you think the got the, what, what, Team, you think got the best chance of pulling an upset? I I think the team that, if you looked at last week, that to me was the most impressive were the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers went down to Dallas, took a team that hadn't lost all year. Um, Jordan Love is playing lights out. They got the youngest team in the playoffs since 1976 in terms of experience, and and they they don't even know better. You're supposed to be nervous, but they're too young to even. They're naive, and they're just out there playing. And so, you know, and so they're going to go to San Francisco, who's sitting there, you know, against his team, you know, playing with, uh, you know, house money. I mean, they have nothing to lose. And Jordan Love is playing fantastic. Aaron Jones is running the football. The defense had finally come around a little bit. So that's a team to me, you're talking about this peaking at the right time, is the Green Bay Packers. What, uh, what coach, when it comes to this time, when it comes to playoff time, um, what is it that wins games, that keeps you alive? What do you stress the most um, from your position? Um, don't beat yourself. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know what, if they're better than us, then they're better than us in that particular day. But I don't want to walk away and hand them opportunities kind of like last week with the Cowboys. Dak throws an interception for a touchdown. Dak's trying to get the ball to C.D. Lamp. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, he gets picked off, and you know, by another interception because he's trying to get the ball to him. So, you know, I just think the biggest thing is, you know, not not and, and listen, you you got to be very aggressive. You got to be you got to feel very comfortable with what you're doing and trust what you see. But you got to be smart too. And I think the biggest thing to me is not beating yourself with with turnovers and not beating yourself with penalties. You got to get a feel that that's let's face it, they let you play more in, in the playoffs. And I have always told our team we get in the playoffs. Uh, test them. Get see what you can get away with. Don't be foolish, but listen, you can get away with a little bit more in the playoffs. Let's just face it. They're going to let you play. The hands get a little bit more active. 
They kind of left the, the bumping going on. So it's like, and I always made this reference, it's like the NBA. Are they calling a hand check or not? You know, so I think during the season, they call the hand check. When you've been, but in the offseason, playoff time, they kind of let the hand check go. So I think, again, getting a feel for the officiating who you have and, and acclimating to that type of game and not turning it over. And then, you know, be a little bit aggressive and do something different. You know, go against your tendencies. Everyone's sitting there with analytics and saying, oh, they do this, they do that. That's where, to me, I learned is I put in a lot of things that went against the trends that we that you have on us. You know, when you, you retired at a really young age and never came back, why did you never come back? You know what, Chuck? I, I, I did. I, I, you know, I stepped down. I, I won the championship in my contract year and kind of like where Mike was at and is at now. And I said, I, I, I said I did not want to sign an extension. I, I coached one more year. My wife was not in a great place. She, she ended up passing away three years later. Um, and she moved to North Carolina. My youngest daughter was was going to be a sophomore. We always said from sophomore year on, we're going to stay in that high school. We wanted them to be able to have those three years in high school. And so I, you know, I, I made a decision. I, I I needed my family. They were part of everything I did. I had three daughters. They all played basketball. Two went to Princeton. One went to Elon. My late wife was a professional basketball player in the in the WNBA. Um, and so. You know, basketball, I've spent more time in gyms than I had anything else, in AU and things like that. So I stepped down, you know, I was 49 years old. I had CBS. I want to make sure I had that. Um, she passed away three years later. And, you know, a lot of people came calling. And I met my current wife, who's a musician up here, Charles Nosby, uh, very well as well. And, you know, she's a New Yorker, a Jets fan. But I just started thinking about the life up here in New York, the animatedity that I have, um, the normality that I was able to do. I, I, you know, I, I go to a grocery store, but I can pick out cantaloupes and watermelon <laughs> with the ladies and tell them how to pick out a good cantaloupe. You got to press the top of a good cantaloupe if it's soft, <laughs> you know. So then that's how you know a good cantaloupe. So I just, I like, I had a lady come up to me. She goes, "Sir, what are you doing?" I go, "I go, well, ma'am, if you if you press the top of it, if it's really soft." Then you've probably you're only a couple of days away. If it's really hard, you got to let it sit out for a while until you can smell it. So you go, oh, okay. And I said, so, I saw so I walked away. So I'm just trying to give advice to everybody in life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so when you talk about the end of your coaching career, but let's talk about when you when you took the Steelers' job. And and the reason I bring this up, Bill, is because you look now at some you know replacing Bill Belichick, yeah, replacing Nick Saban at Alabama. Um, you replaced a legend in Chuck Noll. How do you get over that part of it? The look at the shoes I'm stepping into, uh, or does part of that drive you? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I never won. I went back to where I grew up, right? So, I mean, I got the job in Pittsburgh um, in 1992. I was 34 years old. And i never forget when I got the job, I went back laying in bed. I go, wow, if I don't screw this up in three years i can go back to my 20th high school class reunion as a head coach of my hometown so my yeah. first goal was not to get fired the first three years <laughs> so <laughs> i mean but but you know what i said you know no one's going to follow chuck Noll do what he did you know you sit there and you know gerard mayo is not going to follow bill belichick gerard mayo has got to be gerard mayo bill cower was bill cower you know i appreciated the fact that what they left was a work ethic a a culture that was about, you know, leave your ego at the door, everybody do their job, and we're going to work hard. And there's going to be a selflessness that we're going to talk about. And, you know, when I got there, it was they had not won in a while. So, 
you try to kind of do keep a culture, create a culture that's about that. It's about holding people accountable. It's about you know, being able to make the sacrifices, understand your role, and, and building a team that is selfless and also having veterans that know what the work ethic is about, what the preparation is about. And so we kind of did that, and it starts with your coaching staff. And I think that's the biggest thing to me is surround yourself with the right assistant coaches. I mean, the head coaches have probably 18, 19 assistant coaches. So I coach the coaches to let the coaches coach the players. And then I talk to the players up there. So, you know, I never wanted to intercede and, you know, get involved with those guys um, and let the coaches do their thing. They get to know the players individually, knowing the right little buttons to push. It. I remember that's how I was as an assistant under Marty Schottenheimer. Um, so I took a little bit of the things I learned from Marty and tried to apply that and still be me. You know, when, when you're a player, every player retires. At, you're still a young person when you're retired. And you like, what the hell am I going to do next? Who was the first person to say to you, Bill, have you ever thought about coaching? You know what I did? You know, when I got cut, Charles, it's interesting. As I got cut um, my 1979 as a free agent, went to Philadelphia Eagles with Dick Vermeil was there. Uh, I got cut in the last cut. So I went back down. I got in school. And I, had, I had like one more semester to go. And I was a GA. I was a grad assistant. Now, the first time I was ever a grad assistant, and I was sitting there with Bo Ryan at the time at North Carolina State. Now I started coaching, you know, Luke Abraham, and you know, Luke ended up going to the Oilers, but just coaching him and just talking about what to look at, how you wear your eyes, what's your vision, the little things, look at your footwork, back up a little bit, you know, you have a little bit of a chance to be working downhill. So I'm going, wow, this is kind of cool. Is Luke is a better athlete than I was, bigger than I was. But if I can help him also become a little bit of a better player in terms of where, he, where his eyes need to be, what he can do in terms of studying tape and understand what you can eliminate, I can eliminate a lot of plays by just seeing how you come out, what the splits are, what the stances are. Because it's about anticipation. Everything's about anticipation. The more I can eliminate, the quicker it is for me to diagnose. So just to kind of give that kind of wisdom to those guys, I was kind of infatuated with that part of it. And Made it the next year with the Browns. I played five years, but I was always the guy that I could play multiple positions. I wasn't a great player, but I was a guy that was, you could count on me. I could learn a bunch of different positions. I was smart enough to know what my role was, number one, and also be able to be one of those guys you can count on, but also another guy you want probably playing every game, every, you know, all year long. What was, was, was harder or worse? Cut firing a coach or cutting a player? Good question, Chuck. Firing coach. Firing coach, Chuck. Because you know what? Players, you know what? You're right. You you can't play forever. You mean, so there's a, you know, it's sometimes it's just like, you listen, this may not be the best fit for you. Um, maybe another system is better for you than the system you're in right now. And I got some better players in front of you. I'll, I'll never forget, Mike Brabel came in after four years. And I said, Mike, you know, listen, we're going to offer you a contract. But he goes, well, he goes, I can get a lot more. I go, you're probably going to get a lot more somewhere else. And I honestly, I said, if I was you, I'd go somewhere else. I'm looking, you're going to be, I'll, I'll play you, but you're you're the third outside linebacker on our team right now. He went to New England and had a great career. So, but a coach, firing a coach is hard because it's, it's you know, that's their life's job. And there's a lot of things that go with that. And, you know, and so I get it. I get it. I I think the biggest thing for head coaches, though, is the only thing I said I I have loyalty to is winning. You know, I, I I'm I'm loyal to winning. 
And sometimes when he means you have to make those tough decisions and you may have to hold some people accountable, whether it be a coordinator, whether it be a position coach, sometimes you have to make change. And, you know, that's why I always say it's lonely at the top for head coaches. I talked to a lot of head coaches during the course of the season around the league, talked to them about that. And sometimes you have to make change just for the sake of change because it's just, you know, it's, it's stale. You know, the message is stale. I want something more creative. I want, I want, I want some more better ideas coming in here. So, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I held people accountable. wasn't always the easiest guy to work for, but I was okay with that. You know, I, I held a lot. I allowed everybody accountable, and no one was any more accountable than anybody else than myself. I held myself to that standard as well. Hey, Bill, one of my one of my best friends in the world is has spent his entire professional career coaching at the college level and in the NFL level. Rip Shearer. Um, and, yeah. and and Rip uh, and James Campen um, were over at my house over the weekend because Campy was was visiting with Rip and and they came up and the stories that I heard that day were just sensational. You've talked about you know sitting around and and telling stories and reliving things. Uh, what's your go to story when you're sitting around and you guys are talking about the old days or? coaching stories or playing stories what's your go-to Ah, uh, you know i it's funny we did a thing last night i was just telling we were talking about the super bowl and you know i i the year we won it um it was in detroit we we're playing the seattle seahawks we were doing a walkthrough on saturday before the game and on this walkthrough we were running a play that seattle would always run and we had this defense and it was a kind of a play action and seam pass and we really didn't have a defense that we had anybody on it and all of a sudden Troy says to me don't worry coach I'll just jump it in the game I go no 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 you <laughs> you're already jumping way you're jumping way too many things as it is so I said so I went back and put a defense in that afternoon I called Dick up I said Dick and I said you know at him and Keith Butler Darren Perry I said listen come on in I just come to my room I go, I got this defense. I said, I want to put it in. I'm going to put Troy right there in the slot. He can play it. He can just jump wherever he goes. Kind of like a little rat player. Just let him play his thing. We're going to kind of come over the top. Jura Vicious is on the backside. He can't run. So I'll run Joey underneath him. Take the safety of the corner. Make him play half the field. So we're kind of, you know, so they had, nobody could run in the back end. So we're going to put it right in the front end. So I said, listen, I'll put it in. We're going to go to the ballroom. We're going to walk through it. And we'll just tell him, listen. We might just use this, but just want to put this in just in case we have to do this on the sideline. Because I'm always big. To me, adjustments are not overrated because I think you go into a game, you don't know what the team's going to do. You conceptually understand what their philosophies are and you have things that you can do with it, but you better be able to have a system in place where you can talk to your players about being able to adjust in the course of the game. So I said, we may use this. Well, the next day, we used it 41 times wow. and won 39 of them. Because <laughs> I said, oh, we, 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 we called it. I go, you know what? They can't block this. I go, wow. They said, what do you want? Dick goes, what do you want? I go, same call. Just keep calling the same thing until they beat it. So, and I said, they never made the adjustment. I said, I think they made one in the fourth quarter. I said, okay, now it's time to move away. As soon as they adjust to it, we're going on, we're on to something else. <laughs> Jeez, so, that's, so, so you put it in on the off chance you might use it, and it carried the day. 41 times. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, you know, you, yeah. So obviously Super Bowl's the highlight. What's the lowest you ever felt after a game? Uh, I think probably the very first AFC championship game. Um, 
1994. Uh, we, I, you know, I, I've always said, you know, you get the, the, the Super Bowl. I've, I've lost a Super Bowl. I, I, we lost to Dallas and Super Bowl 30 and came back 10 years later and beat Seattle. And, and losing the Super Bowl, that was tough. But, you know, that you had the whole two weeks. You had the whole hoopla that went in. And there was finality on that game. It was, you know, so it's over. Every week later, everyone's watching basketball. Um, so the championship game, I lost four of those. And I can tell you every one of them. It was the San Diego Chargers in 94. It was the Denver Broncos in 97. It was the New England Patriots in 2001. And it was the New England Patriots again in 2004. And then you watch those teams go to the Super Bowl. Every one of those games came down to the fourth quarter. Every one of those games were games we could have and probably should have won. But then to watch the team that beat you go to the Super Bowl, all the stories that are being told about them, you got to listen to that for two weeks. You can't get away from it. The season's still <laughs> going on. You can't go anywhere. Like I, I don't even want to watch it. I, so I just wanted to watch the, ha- the halftime. I didn't even turn on the game. I decided to watch, watch the game. But um, it, was, it was hard. Championship game next week. The loser of that game, it hurts more than losing the Super Bowl. So I, when we had Nick Saban on the podcast uh, uh, last year, I asked him this. I think that Bill Coward on the weekend with all the kids, grandkids and everything, you a master griller. Am I right <laughs> or am I wrong? Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, absolutely. And nothing like a good hot dog on the grill. Yeah. So I make about 15 hot dogs and everyone eat it for lunch. And then no one, no one's hungry for dinner, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, so what? Are you, so oh, I, I love was, it. So so what? What? What's your joy when the season's over? What? What? Are you, what's a hobby for you now? Now that football once once football is over, you know, I um, I, I my wife and I spend a lot of time together. So me is she's a musician. Um, so she'll play a, a few outings here and there. We travel a lot, you know, mostly within the states. We have a place in North Carolina. Uh, we go down there, and I spend a lot of time with my family. Like I got eight grandkids. Um, we got my eighth one coming along. Um, great son-in-laws. Ryan Kelly is a son-in-law of mine. He's playing over in Tokyo, Japan, right now, and it's like his eighth, seventh year overseas playing. She's over there homeschooling the kids. Uh, my other son-in-law played for the NHL for seven years, won a cup with the Kings. They're here in Brooklyn, so I see them. Their kids are now starting to play basketball, football, um, obviously hockey. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I, 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 I try to get to spend some time, individual time with each one of them. One's in Denver, one's will be in North Carolina, one's here in New York. So that's it, you know, and a little bit of golf. So, you know, the coaching thing is crazy. I'm uh, I'm an Eagles fan. Nick Sirianni was in the Super Bowl less than a year ago, and now he might get fired. What 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 is happening? You know, Mike Tomlin. There was like maybe he's gonna get fired. You know, Mike McCarthy. Maybe he's gonna get fired. As a coach, is it fair to put guys like the guy was in the Super Bowl less than a year ago? And I don't know what happened after we were ten and one, but is it? Fa- I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if fair is the right word. Is the scrutiny fair or unfair that these coaches are getting today? Well, I, I, I think it's a. I think that's a fair question, and I agree with you. Um, I think we have to look at the body of work, and you have to understand what's happening within the dynamics of the building. Listen, I think for Nick Sirianni, you know, I've lost 
coordinators to head coaching jobs before. And filling that position is a very, very important one. I don't know with what happened on the defensive side of the ball. Darius Slay came back with a great, great quote, quote today, said, I felt like we were in between two marriages. Like you know, we were like in the mid- middle of two different marriages and that were that were struggling when they went to, 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 to Matt Patricia and changed coordinators midway through the year. Now I also understand Nick Sirianni. I understand what Mike Tomlin did. Sometimes you don't want to wait too late to make a change. So the the, the dynamics of a coaching staff is very, very important. And that, and I, I, I try to tell all the coaches that are become head coaches that whatever side of the ball you're on, that you are involved with, you better make sure you got someone of credibility and someone you can trust on the other side of the ball. And the other thing you don't want to do is lose sight of what you are as a head coach, that you have a, a feel for the team. And I think with where they are, I think both sides of the ball with Nick Sirianni this year is they just didn't have the same sense of identity. Like you never knew what they were doing. Jalen, they never really could get going in the passing game. The RPO stuff, people are catching up to it. The National Football League is very, very cyclical. And you give people a chance to study something in the offseason, you better be a step ahead because people will find a way to take away what you're doing. And so I think that's the thing. It's so funny because you see the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, the big shootout we had a couple years ago with, you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes throwing a ball for over 30 yards. They have morphed now into two running teams that play great defense. Yet they're great quarterbacks. They will take the game in their hands in the fourth quarter. They both, you watch them, they're going to, they love playing against each other. It's like, you know, it's like Michael and Magic going against each other, right? They're, yeah. they're watching each other play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're going to, they're going to outdo it. They're not going to the other one get out, do that. You watch this weekend. Both these guys may be the leading rushers on their uh, on their respective teams. That's the game I can't wait to watch. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. One hundred percent. Hey, you know, I saw you have that game. I was watching you the other day. You were saying some kind words about Coach Belichick. Can you expand upon that a little bit, please? Yeah, Coach. You know, listen, Bill and I go so far back. Um, He offered me a job when I was eight, nineteen eighty nine. Marty Schottenheimer got fired from Cleveland, and um, he was still out there. I went down, interviewed with the Giants, and Parcell with Bill Belichick, and they Parcells called me up and offered me a job to become a defensive back coach. Marty then took the job in Kansas City, said, would you come here? I felt loyal to Marty, so I said, you know what? Well, Marty gave my first chance. I'm going with Marty. I ended up becoming a coordinator, linebacker coach. Bill hires Al Groh to coach linebackers and goes to DB. So Bill and I come together. In 89, at the Giants Stadium, I said, I'll talk to you about linebacker play or defensive back play. You talk to me about linebacker play. So for two years, 89 and 90, we were both coordinators. I was in Kansas City. He was in the Giants. And if we had a common opponent, we were talking to each other on Tuesdays about what we see and what do you think might work because we both were running 34 defenses. I had Derek Thomas. He had Lawrence Taylor. Two pretty good outside linebackers. So we kind of had the same team, you know. And so, um, and then also in 91, we both get interviewed for the Cleveland Browns job. Bill just came off winning the Super Bowl. I was 33, a little young, but Art Modell kind of liked me as when I was coaching there. They give the ball, they give the job the Bill as they should have. Um, the next year, I go to Pittsburgh. So we went from friends to adversaries very, very quickly. <laughs> and um, and so we were going against each other. We went against each other in and in, in Cleveland. And and then he got the job in New England. And we never lost that respect for each other 
And then when I got into this position, you know, I, I, I had all these different blitzes. I'd give them to them, and I'd go out to Nantucket. We'd sit down and talk football for a couple hours. And he, he's, you know, Bill, Bill is a purist. He loves the game. He loves the process of the game. He loves game planning. He loves training camp. He loves practice. And, you know, that's just who he is. And he'll be the first one to tell you. I mean, he, he prioritizes, you know, football's first, family second. <laughs> he'll tell you that. And um, and that's just who he is. And that's what he does. And, and I, you know, he's a guy, great historian of the game. You're talking about a guy with Ernie. You're talking about a guy with stories. That guy could tell you stories. <laughs> I'll bet. Bill I'll Belichick bet. will tell you about it. I mean, he's got stories from the, from the how the, the you know the football was probably made. He probably understands <laughs> why it's over. You know, I mean, so I mean, he's that type of guy. Good guy. He's chasing the record. Um, he wants the record. It's important to him. And so he's going to go somewhere. And you know, I guess he's going back to Atlanta for a second interview. Um, so we'll see. I think that's a great fit for him. He's an, I think he's an East Coast guy. Like I think Pete Carroll's a West Coast guy. I, I just I think those guys belong in those respective coasts. And Nick Saban is just a great college coach um, who understands pro football. And you get a guy from Alabama with Nick, you know what? You're getting a guy who understands what football is all about. He'll hold you accountable. He understands the the, the the elements, the core elements of the game, and makes you have respect for the game and the opponent. And he holds people accountable from day one. Just do your job and do it well. And someone else can do it better. You know what? Then they're going to play instead of you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, go ahead. The as 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 pumped up as Chuck and I are to have you on on the on the podcast. Uh, there's another guy who was so excited to hear that you were making an appearance, and he he is the legendary longtime oh, coordinating He's producer of Inside the NBA, Tim Kiley, who's a Pittsburgh guy. And there is T K. <laughs> Our par. TK, how are you, man? Look at you side I'm by good, side guys. With, coach. with Coach, huh? Yeah, this is exciting. Hey, I'm yeah. really excited about it. And I nice to meet you virtually, Coach. Yes, and you know what? Your your father used to always come by my office when he come into Pittsburgh, and he used to just tell me like he did. He'd shut the door and just say, "Listen, you don't have to get upset when they don't ask you the right questions." And he's telling, he's always telling me about why I should well, I should do a better job of being better and being nicer to the media. And I just said, Ed, but when it's a stupid question, he goes, I know probably most of them are, but they, you can't all react that way. You control the messaging. They don't let them control it. You control the narrative. I'm going, okay, you're right. You're yeah. right. TK, explain, explain to the folks I, who I, Ed, <laughs> Ed, Ed, who Ed is, your dad who works yes. for ages with the, with the Steelers. Yeah, he was uh, he was in the front office, and in the old days, he did scouting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then when uh, Coach came around, by that time, he was the Chiefs' right hand man, and um, and and kind of uh, as he used to say, "I'm in I'm in charge of short errands." So that was his uh, <laughs> that was his his job description. He was great because he, he he and he didn't even hesitate. He'd walk in even from watching tape. He'd just walk in. <laughs> what are you watching? I go. I'm watching the game. Like I'm like, like like. What are you What are you looking for? Doesn't matter. What do you mean? Like you want? What do you want, Ed? Like what do you want? Like just what am I looking for? Like I just. You know, Coach. I've been here. This is my 24th year, and TK just retired 
for 23 years, I had to hear about the Steelers. That's the that's the only <laughs> that's the, that that's the thing about for 23 straight years, we had you've to hear- been blessed. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, we- coach, I just had uh, something for you. Um, Charles, for years, yes. has been saying that he's going to learn Spanish, which of course he's never even come close to doing. Boy, being gracias. There you go. That's about it. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to do was, since you and I own the thickest Pittsburgh accents in America, yes, is I'm going to yes. ask Charles some stuff in Pittsburghese and let him see if he can guess it. And uh, if you can, ah. you can translate for him. Okay. Go ahead. Does that sound cool? Yeah, yeah, do it. All right. Hit the music, guys. It's time for What's Up Jag Off. <laughs> Hey, Chuck. Oh, yeah. Are you headed downtown to see the Pirates tonight? Are we going to see the Pirates tonight? Very, very good. Don't be a jag off. My old lady says I can't go to I read up my room. <laughs> oh, you, come on, Chuck. You, you can't get away from your lady till you clean up your room. No, there you go, Chuck. Okay. Right, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right and up, I come right down up, the house. That's it. Right up, clean up. When right. I come down the house, Chuck, your ma's really, really nebby. Hell no, I don't understand that. Nebby. She's, 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 she is, she's, she wants to know your business. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's Chuck. a nebby one, Chuck. She's a nebby one. That's right, a nebby's. Chuck, how's come when you need a when yins need a gum band, you can never find it? A dumb band. A gum band. Gum band. A gum band. What's a gum band? Uh, a rubber band. It's a rubber a ru- band. Oh my god. Hey, I got yeah. one. A gum band. Oh my god. Yeah. Good job, Ernie. Hey, Ernie thanks, Coach. Coach has got. He's got it. All right, last one, Chuck. We'll hurry up and add because we're on. A, we're out of iron and pop, and we're gonna go see the Steelers. Out of iron and pop? Yep. Are we out of food? No. Nah, I know what that is. Wait, what is it? Out of Iron City and yep. and, and uh, soft drinks oh, it's iron, and pop. Iron City. Pop. Yeah. Is that that awful beer? It's not awful. Oh, it ain't awful. Hey, wait a minute. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Hey, can you, can I, wait a minute. One second. I'm going to be right back. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love this. We're going to have a visual aid from Coach Cower right here. here. Par, par. Oh, look at a Super Bowl trophy in the background. Oh, that's awesome. A little Lombardi hey, uh, action. Uh, so, so, Chuck, <laughs> you, you, you've had, Chuck, you've had a lot of things. Ari, you guys have had a lot of things done for you, right? Well, this is an Iron City beer, right? There you TK, go. TK, right? That's it. Iron City? You know, yep. have you ever had Vitamin your I. face on the back of an Iron City? Oh, oh how about that? Oh. Very That's big. Nice. So beautiful. Uh, I, I think yeah. I've, had, I've had that beer. I think twice. It wasn't that good. I'm not going to lie. Eye, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this this is special edition. I'll send you some, uh, or I'll give you one too. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> you, Coach. Appreciate you too, TK. Hey, Coach. Great to meet you. Thank you very much for coming on, and thanks for all the fun all over right, the pleasure, year. Pleasure, TK. Hey, hey, Coach. Thank you. Number man. one, thank you for being on the podcast. And let me tell you something. Man, we, we we talked about that Kansas City 
Buffalo game from a couple years ago. The best football game I've ever seen. I just hope this weekend turns into another classic. I cannot wait to this weekend. Good luck with the game. Thanks, sir, Chuck. Thanks, Ernie. You guys are the best, too. I mean, thank you for having me on. And I'm a big fan of you guys. You guys uh, do a great job of just talking about the NBA. I love it. I, I'll dive into that. That'll be the first thing I go back into once the season's over. And it's always kind of fun to watch it down the stretch. I appreciate you, Coach, very much. Have a great show this weekend. Say so hit all our buddies up there and uh, give them our best. All right. All Thanks, right, man. Thanks, right. Coach. Chuck, make sure you reach out next time you're up, man. I will. That was awesome. Right, that was tremendous. That was tremendous. See you, Coach. That was uh, just such great insight. And and the stories, yeah, the stories I, these guys tell from these long NFL careers, yeah. just tremendous. And you, and you talk about, because they're all intertwined. Yeah. You know, that's what's crazy. Like, you know, I interviewed with Belichick and we this, this, like, uh, yep. Al Groh, he was coached at Virginia later down the line. Right. Uh, it's just like basketball. You see the same people your whole life. Getting up and getting the Iron City. I, know. I love that. Oh, man. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your style in steam room. Alone in the steam room. Yeah, we welcome you back. Yeah. To the steam room as we uh, as we wrap things up. What? Don't you go notice my nails? I got my feet and hands. What down am I supposed day. to? I was, I'm I sitting a, this far away. I'm supposed to you, notice that you got a manicure. You don't see the shiny buff? Uh, not really. It looks like it normally does. And you, but you're good about about the the mani pedi. Yeah, thing. I don't ever want my feet to look like Shaq. I'm yeah. gonna get a mani pedi. I got I'll, I got some bad pups, man. I got some bad feet. I can't even do that anymore. I got got some bad nail action going on. <laughs> Very tough. Uh. So on the Iron City front, you saw Bill Cower. Um, this Tyler Lassiter from our crew has this Iron City can with uh, Tyler. Excuse me, Tyler Price. Um, we also have Tyler Lassiter, but Tyler Price, team of the '80s or 1980 Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what that can look for. Look like it's from that. the '80s. Oh, I know it does. They've got some dust on top oh, of this babe. bad boy. See, but see, sometimes you you just can't part with things like that it's good to hang on to because you never well, know when you're doing a podcast i know i don't know why uh but no, sometimes he's a, he's a, he drank it you never know um if something might you know be useful on a podcast you don't drink that beer 40 years later is it tyler yeah tyler price you don't open drink that beer I know, you're supposed to, on a commemorative can like that? Come on, Tyler, show you, some you, class. you got to keep one, at least. No, you keep, you. well, you keep, well. At least keep one to have up there. Okay, okay, that's fair. Yeah, all right. So, um, do you, again, I'm going to put you to the test as we uh, as we hit the last segment oh, here. It's, it's Chuck's answering machine. 404-987-0330. <gasps> Outstanding. Here's call number one. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message. Hey, Charles. This is Ahmed from Canada. I just wanted to ask you, what did it feel like when you won the MVP and Michael thought that he was supposed to? Because I remember watching the documentary and reading articles that he was pretty pissed off that he that you won it over him. So if you can elaborate that on 
your next podcast. That'd be great. Cool. Thanks, Charles. Nice question from north of the border. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Canada, Toronto, my favorite city in the world. I don't know if he was in Toronto. Uh, unfortunately, they traded their two best players, so I'm never going to see Toronto again. Uh, no time soon. Um, first of all, I deserve the MVP. The MVP, I, I hear this argument every year, and it's just stupid. The MVP doesn't go to, pe- quote, unquote, the person who— The best player on the best team. It, it goes to like the guys who's having the best year on the best team, because if you go back and look at history, Michael didn't win it every year. Magic Johnson didn't win it every year. Larry Bird didn't win it every year. Go back to the '80s. Whoever has the best record, if they got one of the best players in the NBA, they're gonna win the MVP. We had the best record in the NBA, and you were the best player on the best team. Yes. So I love watching to the, uh, you know. Pat Mahomes is not going to win MVP this year. He's the best quarterback in NFL. Lamar Jackson is having a better year. But I love these fools and idiots and jackasses on television every year talking about, well, LeBron should win it every year because he's the best player. No, he shouldn't. Other guys are having better years. Uh, When Derrick Rose won it, he was having a better year than LeBron. Was LeBron a better player? Yes. Uh, Joker. He, you know, he won too. He deserved him. But last year, Joel Embiid was a he had a better regular season, and and Joker ended up winning the world championship. So, uh, I hate that argument. It goes to the best player on the best team, not the best player in the sport. Period. There you go. Um, sort of that bother you when you heard that? Didn't bother me at all. Good. Takes got, a, takes a little. I got the takes trophy. a little something to. Uh, to ruffle Chuck's feathers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Call two. Hey, Chuck and Ernie. Loyal steamer Ryan here. I was watching the NBA on TNT and watching Kenny pour out Chuck's Diet Coke on air into the trash can was hilarious. It got me thinking, as I just recently learned about peanuts and Coke, where you pour peanuts into a glass bottle of Coca-Cola. I am from Minnesota, living in Massachusetts, and I tried it for the first time. I was wondering if you have ever had peanuts and Coke, love the show, and go T-Wolves. Peanuts and Coke. Well, first of all, uh, my man, when we're taping the podcast, I might have to apologize tonight to your T-Wolves. And so he, you know, you heard him slide the T-Wolves in there. You know, I, I have are no, you getting a, Are you getting beside the point? No, I'm going to get to the point. Because, I, you know, a lot of guys on TV piss me off. They brag when they get something right. Yeah. But when they get something wrong... Oh, I never said that. No, they, it's they, not they, I didn't say well, it, but well, we'll just start, ignore that. Well, well, they start making excuses. Yeah. Well, this guy didn't do it. Like, no, I might be wrong about the Wolves. They're, they're balling right now, and we have them tonight when we're taping the podcast. We're against the Memphis Grizzlies Ooh. on Let TNT. Me tell you I'm going to guarantee a victory for the Wolves tonight. Okay. Uh, my man, I have had Coke and peanuts, I'll, not a lot, but quite a few times. Um, it's Do you I, have to have it in the bottle? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. First of all, I, I stopped drinking Coke because uh, I had too many calories, but I have had peanuts and Coke. What do they, do the peanuts 
float in there? Do you get yes. peanuts in your mouth when you're doing that? Oh yeah, you, you get a combination. Of, uh, and I think the salt is the salt is what make it tasty. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that this. Yeah. So I have. Does had, it work with Diet Coke? It, it does not work with Diet. Well, I haven't tried it. Because that, you know, it, it's some you, wait, I want to know how old my man was, because I did that, like, when I was, like, in high school. Yeah, when they, when you actually had a lot of bottles of, yeah, of Coke. Yeah, but, but yeah, it definitely, I haven't had it in 40 years, 30, 40 years. Can you do it in a plastic bottle? Does it have to be a glass bottle? Because you have those plastic bottles of Coke, too. Well, I don't know, I don't remember, did they have plastic bottles back then? Well, I don't know, Chuckster. I don't think they did have plastic bottles no, back then. No, they just had glass back then. I know, so, yeah, but yeah. would it work if you had a plastic bottle of Coke, you could put some peanuts in there? Oh, it, 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 it. It probably would work, but I don't do that anymore. It's compelling conversation. Yeah, yeah. Call three. Hey, Chuck, I just want to know, since you're losing all this weight, are you going to be buying a whole bunch of new clothes, or are you not believing in yourself and thinking that you might gain the weight back, so you hesitating on buying a new wardrobe? That is a personal question That's right a there. great question, though. It, it's an issue. It, 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 it. I, I will say this. That's a new shirt. Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't think it's new. I have spent. Doesn't, a small, doesn't say Redmond vodka on it, so I hardly recognized you. What's wrong with Redmond? I, my man, number one, I'm never gonna be fat again. I learned my lesson because it's not healthy, and I want to be healthy. But I have been very careful. I ordered some new suits, but I have spent a small fortune on alterations. I mean, because like I said, I, I didn't want to get a bunch of new stuff because I still want to lose. I'm at 285 now. I started at 352. And you're trying to get to? 270. 270. So I'm going to wait till I get to 270 before I get a, a whole new wardrobe. But you said you've ordered some suit. I ordered some like for 285. Okay. But I want to eventually get to 270. But I'm not lying, my man. I have spent a small country on alterations <laughs> this th in the last year. It's been crazy how much money I spent because not only that, I, I had to tape, I had to get everything tapered, but I also had to get rid of all of my cuffs. So apparently cuffs are out. Uh, yeah, apparently for a while. Well, cause, so I had to get all, I, I, I had to get my pants, so I, my pants can't be baggy anymore. So yeah. you have to get them tapered. Right. But also you had to get rid of all the cuffs. Right. So which adds a nice little chunk of change to the alteration bill. You know what else I hear is coming back? What? Jeans with creases like that that are ironed in there so sharply. <laughs> Ernie. You hang on to those. You never know. It's cyclical, Chuck. I'm it'll, not getting rid of my around, jeans. It'll go out. It'll come I'm not back getting in. rid of my jeans with the creases. Y'all can make fun <laughs> of me all y'all want to. Because everybody said they're old man jeans. I'm an old man. <laughs> yes, you, you are. Uh, I'm a, You're not as old as this man, but but my oh my, my yeah. jeans do not have creases all like that. All my friends are like, yo, man, you got old man jeans on. I said, y'all act like we 30. Yeah. We're over We're 60. Not. Yeah. I'm an old man. That's why I got old man jeans. <laughs> you don't have to. It's not a requirement. Um the final, the final thing we do here on on the steam room uh, is a little segment we call 
good for the soul. Yes. EJ is good for the soul. I think that would be a great way to end the show. Love that idea. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. I got you. So, good for the soul this week. Um, I'm borrowing one of the calls that came into Chuck's answering machine. Okay. Uh, for good for the soul, and I think I think you'll uh, you'll find this uh, good for your soul. Play it. Hello, Charles Barkley. This is Lila Jones. And I have always been a big fan of yours, along with my son, who is 41 now. One time when we were in Birmingham at my mother's retirement home, we went to Lee to your house and met your grandmother. She was a very gracious, wonderful woman. And we have pictures of my son, David, with your grandmother. And I would love to share them with you. Bye-bye. How about that picture, Chuck? That's my granny, man. What a great lady. Yeah, she was. And this dude, 41 now? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is cool. Anytime I get to bring up my mom and grandmother, rest in peace, both of those great ladies, it's always special because my grandmother was the greatest influence in my life. And, man, you know, it's so funny. People used to stop. I mean, because obviously Leeds is a small town. And people are like, you know, like if somebody stopped, in Atlanta says, where's Ernie Johnson live? They're like, we got no damn idea where Ernie Johnson live. <laughs> but my grandma would say people would stop in Lee's all the time from all over the country. But how great and how gracious yeah. of her. Oh, yeah. She's like, because if, if you stop in my hometown, and they're like, you know what Charles Barkley? Oh, yeah, everybody knows what Charles Barkley lived. But my mother and grandmother loved people stopping by. They stopped by to take pictures all the time. And, you know, my mom and grandmother were both they kept all my trophies because I don't believe in keeping trophies. And every trophy I ever got is is in their house. Uh, so, and that's, I, uh, I forget which one that is, but man, this kid's 41 now. That's yeah. crazy. And here he it? is wearing his Chuckster yep. Phoenix jersey and with your grandma. That's a great picture. And a trophy. That's, that's that's what a memory maker. What about and, great memories? Of, yeah. Yeah, anytime I can see my grandmother, it's always cool. So was that good for your soul? That was good for my soul. Good yes, for, it was. It was good for mine, too. Uh, and it's always great to hang out with y'all on uh, on the Steam Room. We appreci- TV. We appreciate all of we you on TV uh, now, loyal we steamers. <laughs> we made it. Y'all said we would never make it. So set that DVR in coming weeks for 7 o'clock on Friday nights on True TV. Oh, Lord. And, they put us on Friday night. you can watch night. the podcast. They put us on Friday night. And what, if, what about if you listen to the podcast and, and watch, watch it, it at the what, media overload <laughs> of the best kind? Hi, this is Andy Katz, host of March Madness 365, presented by Grammarly. This week on the podcast, listen as we break down the latest AP poll and give you insights on my updated Power 36. Listen to March Madness 365 with Andy Katz, presented by Grammarly, wherever you get your podcasts. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that gives your team an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. 
Grammarly works seamlessly across 500,000 apps and websites. Get personalized on-brand writing help everywhere your team works. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done.